0: Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I have a treat for you. I have a second time guest, so someone who knows the ropes and uh, knows me and my humor and is going to put up with all of the crazy curious questions I have. So Rob Volpe, welcome back to Ponderings from the Perch.
1: Thank you, Priscilla. It's great to be here. I I, I feel like I'm moving closer to the SNL five-timers club jacket. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Oh, the pressure is on. We've got to create one of those. I right? love it too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was so great to see you at an Insights Association event. Um, recently, you got to speak at the CEO Summit and really uh, talk about this important, important subject matter of your, uh, your first book. Tell me more about that. But we're going to get into that, and you can tell me more about that in a minute. Um, but for people who have not um, heard of you and did not hear your first uh, episode, trust me, I'm going to link it in the show notes. But this is Rob Volpe. And he is obviously now an author, a speaker, the CEO over at Ignite 360. And one of the interesting things about Rob is that um, I think this book has been in you for a very, very long time. <laughs> Rob, um, Because you really have been recognized over time as a leader, really expressing meaningful insights thinking how do we really craft some strategy that's creative and not just, you know, taking everything for granted and kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And I, I think that's what everybody really you know aspires to do but yet you have to carve out a different path in order to get there and i see you time and time again carving out that different path and and that different path also for those of you who don't know rob and, and what they do at ignite 360 but it also has led to double digit sales growth with uh, with their clients retail and also helping them actually develop new products that are even even challenging you know uh, verticals that people thought were long dead right and And really, I think at the end of it, what we're going to talk a lot about today is that the way you have done that is by highlighting and, and heightening, you know, that need for empathy toward consumers and customers and seeing both of those words turned over as humans. So this is going to be very cool. Obviously he's has all kinds of accolades. He's been featured in Advertising Week, Mashable, Hummington Post, Gourmet Retailer, and Chicago Tribune. I had to go get those uh, written down, Rob, because it's impressive And um, I'm excited to talk uh, with you about this book. So I am going to let you tell us a little bit about why this book, but I am dying to ask you a question about something when I what really struck me and really where I think you got to the heart. Um, and had me hooked in the book. So that's what we're gonna talk about because guess what? It's my podcast and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Amen.
1: Take that's let's, let's go. So
0: why this book? Why now? And and just before we start that, I guess I kind of reiterate the the title. So do that for us because it has such a great subtitle too.
1: Thank you. And 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 yeah, it's a great and really critical subtitle, I think, to what what's going on and my cat domino. Right, would be great. That's right. It's my um, podcast.
0: We can do what we want. <laughs>
1: exactly. So um yeah the book title is tell me more about that solving the empathy crisis one conversation at a time um and you know the empathy crisis isn't necessarily anything new but i think to your point we've reached a point in our society where i think people are realizing enough is enough and it's time that we start to put some emphasis back on how we connect how we interact with each other and use things like empathy to make us better Marketers, insights strategists, leaders, human beings, and so I'm I'm grateful that that things have come together and that the book is now available at, at this time. Um, but for me, I mean, the journey started as I write about in the book back when I was a child growing up in the Midwest. But then more recently, what got me going on empathy and realizing like, hey, there's a problem and we need to do something about that was back in 2010 when um, University of Michigan came out with their study of studies, meta-analysis of university student life surveys. They found in 2001, there was a 40% decline in the ability of college students to have empathy and see the point of view of their peers. And I was like, Oh my God, that's like, that's a sizable drop. (laughs) Um, And those people, you know, that was 10 years earlier for when I was hearing about it, it's now 20 years ago. So those people are today in their 40s. They're parents, they're working, they're leaders in organizations. And if they have less empathy, well, gee, we're not going to get along in the same ways. We're not going to be able to be of service to each other, to our consumers, to our clients in any way, shape or form. And so at Ignite360, we started to really explore empathy and how to really connect people. And then one day I was giving a presentation at the University of San Francisco, and I was I talked about what we do at Ignite 360 and insights and qualitative and quantitative research. But then I started talking about the importance of empathy, and I started using some of my experiences going on in homes and, oh,
0: you're gonna get to <laughs> right step right into mine. I know you're going to. Good. Okay, go yes. for it, go for it.
1: And the times that I got challenged um and to to be empathetic with these consumers who are other. And the students were just hanging on every word um couldn't wait to find out like what happened next in the story of Frank or with Iris, or I always talk about Amelia and what I discovered in her bathroom and um they were just riveted, and this voice inside me, and this was back in twenty sixteen this voice inside me just said, "This is what you need to be writing about. These are the stories that you need to tell, and that's what really got me going on. Creating the book,
0: well, a hundred percent. You are it, it is the stories, right? And and how do we solve this empathy crisis? Well, we solve it with a story, right? And we solve it where someone does see their own humanity in a, in a different light because they can't see someone else differently if they don't see themselves. But you drew me in with the story of the in home uh, in home uh, moderation, the the qualitative study, and they were hoarders.
1: Oh yes! <laughs> oh my gosh! So tell
0: everybody because I'm telling you that's going to sell this book because <laughs> it's it, it really helps you kind of like uh, wait this is other but yet you there was so much value there as well. So tell tell us a little bit just a short uh, you know uh, piece Synopsis of that story of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, this, it was really early in my moderating career. I think I was maybe six or eight months out of Reva training at that point. And on a project studying uh, chewing gum for with teenagers, and we were in Atlanta, and um, we got to this one house. It was the last session of the day. And the mom wouldn't let us into the house to interview her teenage son we had to go sit outside. And of course it was like late late June in Atlanta. So it was 90 degrees and 90% humidity and just all sorts of miserable. And we sit down to start doing the interview. And the kid is also a mumbler, like he's mumbling his answers. So it's not only hot and humid and you've got that weighing down on you. You can't even hear what the respondents saying, And then finally, one of the clients got curious to go inside the house and said, you know, she needs to use the bathroom or whatever. And so the mom let her in and she used the the bathroom, came back out and, you know, looked at me and she was like, okay, like I've been inside. There was no like wide-eyed, oh my God, don't go in there. Um, You won't believe what you're going to find. And so I had no idea not to do this, but the parents ended up leaving to go out for dinner or something and so they drove off and it was like and the kid had been telling us about these uh youtube videos he had been doing of some dancing competition and i thought okay well this is our opportunity to get inside really just for some relief from the heat because it was so stifling hot it was like a 2 hour interview um and so i asked like oh hey can you take us inside to to see you know, show us the videos because this is before smartphones were everywhere. So he couldn't just pull out his, his iPhone. So he takes us inside and we stepped inside the house and I had never, I mean, this is before the hoarders TV show had ever even become a thing. So all of a sudden it's like you stepped in and you're like, wait, what is that smell that I'm smelling? There was this kind of combination of sweet and sour putrid and otherwise. And then turn to the right to move into the living room and discover that there's just like a very narrow path through piles of junk papers and whatnot to get through to the dining room which wasn't even a proper dining room at that point there was a table that I remember had like computer parts on it a bicycle tire
0: oh my tables of
1: wires. <laughs> wow. and wires and it, there was just this stench of cat and dog urine. Um, we found the the cat litter box in the bathroom, which was right off the dining room that had not been cleaned. The, you know, the, the litter box hadn't been cleaned yet. And there was feces sitting on top of it. And then, oh, what was that sweet smell? Why, look, there was a cake that the mom had made for some reason um, in a, a sheet pan, Pyrex sheet pan Sitting on top of the, the stove cooling. And you're like, okay, so I've got this, like, you know, moist deluxe smell coming oh at God. me from Duncan <laughs> Hines and cat urine going and just crap everywhere. And of course, the carpet is matted down and stained. And, you know, we're standing there at arms crossed and I'm whispering to the clients touch nothing. And then you see the cockroach skittering across the cake in the the kitchen. And you're just like, oh, my God. And it was so hard because the the kid, Bailey, as I call him in the book, he was so excited to share his dance videos um, that he had been making with his friends. And he was really proud of that accomplishment. And he didn't know any better. I mean, this was his life. And yet here we were just brimming with judgment about the living conditions and the situation and disgusted by it, but needing to try to break through to try to hear him and continue to see him as a person. Um, so it was really challenging. And, and it's it's in the early, that story is in the early part of the book, because it was an example of where, you know, we, we weren't coming through. Empathy was eluding us, I think, as I call that section. Um, and it was really challenging to try to connect with him And, and see him and you know when we got in the car after the interview the first 20 minutes of our drive back to the hotel was just ew that's so disgusting and you know can I take a shower and you know like a Silkwood shower and scrub down and and get the gross <laughs> off.
0: Oh, so much um, shower. That's pretty funny. Well, I- I'm going to pay you a compliment. And also um, m- one of my other friends and previous guest of uh, this podcast, Rana al starts her book, Girl Decoded, which I would imagine you've read it, but she opens that. That's about like really her bringing, you know, this empathy, um, into, into the emotional intelligence and technology side of the world. And I really felt like it was such a great thing to read yours, which comes from, you know, that empathy inside of the market research well, it was such a, it was such a really complimentary, you know, read. Um, and I think both of you do such a beautiful job of that Well, she opens with the story that also kind of gets you like that, like with, you know, this, you know, this inability for people to empathize. And it kind of goes along with your, you know, the Michigan study uh, that really kind of said, look, we're in danger here as a society. So, you know, we obviously got you as a gripping tail. I want people to read the book. So you got to go like <laughs> read the whole thing for yourself and just go grab it on, on um, Amazon, but also you can go to five steps to empathy.com. And that's five, just the number and yeah. learn more about the book, but let's talk about this. Let's, I am really going to get the, the, the specifics here about, you know, I understand why you wrote the book. I understand the experience that you have, but what do you think it says for us and where we're going in market research? And why, you know, you feel like the onus is on companies like 360, you know, okay. to really help brands move this direction. Like, why can we not afford to
1: move this direction and understand this? You know, we're at this really interesting point. There's There's been so much focus on like big data and understanding all the things that big data and quant can provide. But you're ultimately, if you you're missing the human connection you're not really understanding the why and and qualitative is what can do that if you're bringing the stories to life in the right way um so that people can actually make that connection and i think you know it, it's even like with the empathy crisis it's the unintended consequences of good intentions like just because you can do something and and Analyze all this big data doesn't mean you should or doesn't mean you should put all your eggs in that basket. You've got to have that balance. And so we've been there to try to provide that balance um, for our clients and helping them connect on a deeper level and really understand, you know, by understanding who your consumer is, you can figure out what to do with it um, and, and what actions that you need to take. So it's really the most impactful path forward.
0: Well, what was surprising to you? Because this, this came from your experience. And then you set about writing the book. And obviously from Ignite 360, you lead this way. This is the way you've been thinking. This is the way you've been challenging brands to think. But what happened to you along the way? Was there something that was surprising as you wrote the book or something that emerged for you that you didn't anticipate?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, to your point, it's intuitive, to who I am. I mean, it's integral to to me and my being to be empathetic. It's been my superpower for years and years. And and so going through the book and and even the developing the five steps and starting to work with clients, it was really surprising to see how many people weren't that way. And it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just their muscles are atrophied. They need to get in shape, get a training program together to, to build up their empathy skills.
0: Well, and maybe a little bit like that teenager that you met, they've been in an environment that they think that's the way it is. Yeah, Right. Exactly. And haven't, they haven't been challenged.
1: They haven't been challenged. And, and there are so many uh, indicators in society of the ways that we were supposed to lead that we're not championing EQ skills, that we're not saying that emotions are allowed in the workplace, that we could be empathetic leaders and what that actually looked like, um, and empathetic employees as well. And and so for me, my, my own journey writing the book, I think I had to, at some point, question, because I, I was like, okay, what are, what are my stories? What are the ones that I always, you know, think about or reflect on, or if I'm asked for adventures in the field, what are my go-tos and what was it about those that challenged me? And and that's part of how they ended up where they are in the book. Cause I started to see, Oh yeah, these were, you know, these were the ones where my judgment was getting the best of me or where I did ask a good question or I didn't, or, you know, ask the question and the answer was so phenomenal and amazing. And, and, and so it, Gave, writing the book gave me a lot of that reflection of myself. And even the, the end of the book, which I don't want to totally give away, but the end of the book, which addresses the beginning of the book and circles back to that, but that happened while I was writing the book. So I didn't have that ending of the book determined. Um, it was only when I was in the last couple of years reworking the manuscript and thinking about it and it's like oh wait this is this happened and this is because of the journey that i had been on um, in understanding empathy and just continually improving my empathy skills i don't want to say that i'm like the the you know mr universe muscle man of empathy i'm in such great shape but because i was using the skills so much i was able to really continue and push down that path and and have some break personal breakthroughs of my own
0: I love that because, you know, you, you, like you say, you're very naturally empathetic I'm very naturally communicative. I'm very naturally collaborative and I draw people out, but then the mistake is made that people think, oh, then that's easy for you or that it just, um, you know, that you don't have to work at it. You don't have to constantly figure out how do I network? How do I bring someone out? How do I connect this person? No, it's still a lot of work. It's just that we've attuned ourselves to that practice. And you've not only maybe come at it, maybe from a little bit more of an interest and a curiosity that's, that that, you know, but then you've honed in on the skills. And I think that's what your book really does beautifully is to say, you know it can be very simple, even I love the the title. Tell me more about that. You know, um, it was not tell me more, <laughs> but, you know, it, uh, it, yeah, it is tell me more. Yeah, tell me more about tell me that. More about that. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I've, I've been so excited to talk to a lot of our mutual colleagues about this book. There has been just an overwhelming response that this is what was needed in our industry, and really to name a few, uh, Ann Brown and I got on a phone call and just chitty chatted about it. And It's like, isn't this great? This is where it went. This is the conversation, you know, just parts that we loved, and that was really really great. And, you know, I know over at Gazelle Global, she's leading in, in that way too. And, and she works with people in different cultures. So she understands what it really means to try and get market research done in different cultures, which requires even more empathy, you yeah, know? Or maybe I'm, maybe a different muscle yeah, empathy, definitely, right?
1: Definitely.
0: Um, you know, Colson Stever so well, and my favorite thing on LinkedIn, I, I know you saw me comment on it, but he actually bought two copies of your book and put one in his little library in his neighborhood. And I'm like, you win. A prize, dude.
1: <laughs> I loved that. I, the, I mean, it's just that's Coulson. He has he's such a good person and such yeah. a good heart. Yeah, um, and that he would gift that to people. Just yeah. invent the world. I love yeah, it's so great. It. Yeah, I
0: know. And that's how he leads over it. You know, communications for research. It's it's just saying you know, look, we all have to work together to get people to share these answers. So, you know, I know that that's been your MO at Ignite 360, but I also know that you're really giving back a lot to this industry because it's helping spark much needed conversation. So tell us a little bit about your next conversation. Like, where will you be speaking next? And and what do you, what do you want to do with this book? What's the next thing for you?
1: Oh, um, yeah, I'm... I want to, you know, it's one conversation at a time. Um, I think that subtitle is, is really appropriate to this, but I want to make the world a better place. And I think that it's very appropriate that this is starting within the insights community because we are people that should more easily than others be able to strengthen our empathy skills and be able to help get that word out. And so that's been that. So my vision is that this just continues. I'm already starting to hear from people outside of the industry that I don't even know, reaching out on LinkedIn and other social media saying, hey, I've read your book. And this is how, you know, I'm I'm talking with my CEO differently. I'm a better people leader. Like, that's amazing. It's only three weeks at this point since the book launched. Um, another woman uh, reached out to me and told me about how she's having different conversations with her teenage son. She, you know, he was having some issues at school, and instead of you know asking him the usual, well, why did this happen, or what were you thinking when you did this, she just asked him, tell me more about that. And she said that it opened up so much from him. He shared in ways that he never had. And that's those are two examples where the the I wrote the book the way I did because it does work on a personal and a professional level.
0: Okay. So we're Um, gonna subtitle this the number one parenting book of the year. (laughs) 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 The number one market research book of the year. (laughs) The number one (laughs) you can see where I'm going with this, but I I think that just you know hits at the core of you know the humanity of it all. And I, I do like how you know some business books like this try to show how complicated the issue is. And I think really what you've done here is you pulled the curtain back and said, it's really not that complicated. Yeah. Let's let's make this simple, right?
1: Thank you. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's giving people the tools so that they can apply it in their own life. And so, yeah, and you had asked about like, where am I gonna be speaking? So uh, I'll be talking at Quirks in Chicago Um and we're gonna have some books available there. And of course I will have the pen ready for anybody that wants their copy signed. Okay, Um,
0: I'm going to ask you a favor, because I'm not giving away my copy. Um, But I'll tell you what, because we're launching this before we get to quirks, then let's, let's uh, put something out on social for this podcast, if they've listened to this, and uh, we'll put a good social post out and then um, we'll give away one of your, uh, one of your signed copies. I'd like that. Um, Okay, well, I'm happy to pay for it. But we gotta, but we got to get one more out there in the world, like you said. So yeah, so quirks, quirks, Chicago's next for you, then what?
1: Quirks Chicago is next. I will also be speaking at Quirks London. Um, I will be at, um, I'm going to mispronounce the name, um, Majors and Quinn is a bookstore in Uptown in Minneapolis on June 6th, doing a a reading and signing. Um, I'll also be at a Books a Million in Indianapolis, uh, May 19th. And we're working on other uh, locations and events. I've got a couple of clients that um, we're... um, Talking to one marketing and innovation team at a rather large CPG company, um, where they're going to have the book, and we'll be um, giving my talk on empathy and the five steps, and how it really relates to, in that their case, marketing and innovation and the insights training that they've been doing. Other organizations, one HR department at a large insurance firm, is um, interested in starting a reading group. Um, and with their frontline employees. And, you know, because if you're a frontline employee, you are challenged all the time and you've got to still use cognitive empathy with the the people, the consumers, the customers that you're interacting with.
0: Let's just have a moment of silence and just a pause for respect for frontline workers right now. (laughs) If there is anybody who needs some empathy.
1: (laughs) Anybody dealing with the public. public.
0: (laughs) Well, we can agree on so much, oh, yes. <laughs> Rob, and that is absolutely one of them. And I, you know, I think that is kind of a, a you know, we're obviously laughing because, you know, when you're mm-hmm. laughing, you're probably possibly could be crying, Inside, but we yeah. know that people have suffered so much during this pandemic and with the way that it has really, you know, kind of turned people and to into there, there's, there's brought out some beauty. And of course, just as always, you know, there's brought out some real difficulty and yeah, those frontline workers have just, Taken it. So I love your idea of let's just make the world a better place because I'm sorry, what else are we trying to do?
1: Thank you. Let's leave the world better than we found it. And this is my contribution uh, to doing that.
0: Well, I love it. My my life is better for knowing you. And um, I'm so happy to have you on Ponderings mm-hmm. from the Purchase, second time. This has been super worth it. But I feel like this is. Such a, just an amazing celebration to see that you got the the book done because a lot of people have great ideas. They have a lot of things that need to come out into the world, but the book has to come because I couldn't possibly get all of that from you in an interview. So please take a minute, go out to Amazon. It's so easy. Or just tell Siri to do it. In fact, maybe I'll just yeah. say, hey, Siri, order Rob Volpe's book on Amazon right now. So I hope that worked. Please <laughs> do. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. Your Siri. And- I mean, my Siri doesn't listen to me at all, but I hope that yours does.
1: <laughs> uh- <laughs> oh, she's responding right now. Actually. Oh, is
0: she? Okay, well, she's ordering <laughs> another copy. I love it. Um, so, you know, it, it, there is nothing that can be done. There's not like a shortcut there. People have to have to read it. They have to really, you know, internalize, you know, why it is that we're living in a a a world without, you know, suffering from a lack of empathy. um, And we need to go forward from there. But you said one thing I'm just going to come back to. Okay. You said something about, you know, how do we be more empathetic as leaders? How do we be more empathetic as market researchers? And you, one thing you said there, you said as employees. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's interesting because I, not that I'm having ax to grind. (laughs) I'm just saying, I haven't heard anybody say that because I do think that at the core of empathy and every time I've talked with you, I think it is about a removal of hierarchy of some sort. And this is where I felt, you know, I'm not gonna get a little emotional, but this is where I felt that, that pull of humanity when you were telling the story about the family that were hoarders, because, you know, there isn't a judgment that we need in that moment that does not help us. That doesn't protect us. It doesn't, that doesn't bring about anything um, uh, healthy or productive. And I think that when we think about then these new leadership ideas, like empathy, really has become a new, you know, relatively new yeah. idea. It's not just for leaders. <laughs>
1: no, it's not. We all <laughs> we all need it. And I'm so I one other uh, media outlet that I'm involved with. I'm now part of Entrepreneurs Leadership Network, so I'm contributing some pieces there, and I'm writing about empathy and leadership and empathy in the workplace. <laughs> and um one of the things that we've found with empathy you know yeah as employees because you need to have empathy i mean hopefully you can have empathy with your boss and you know it, it, i think people are like grumble why should i have empathy with him her whatever but They're people, and you need to understand that, and it can help you understand where they're coming from, if they're giving you feedback or praise or whatever, so that you can continue to do an awesome job in your job or contribute in a different way. Um, But you also need to have empathy with your colleagues as well. You know, so we're all in it together, and we all have a role to play, Um, and empathy plays a really critical part. I in, love that. Any a successful yeah. organization.
0: Yeah. I love that because our first core value is care deeply. And that means care deeply about your colleagues care deeply. Yeah. I hope about your boss, <laughs> um, but it's care deeply for us about your clients, but we include also care deeply about yourself. You yeah. know, you've got to be here for your own reasons too. And that empathy extends to you. And I think it really breaks down when people think that they can be empathetic all over the place, but not to themselves. Right, And, you know, so I think, you know, really what you're ushering in for us is a deeper conversation. It's not just like, oh, be empathetic, be grateful, be, you know, sometimes it feels very cliche, but this book really brings home the depth of it and, and the individual responsibility we have for really, um, you know, really um, internalizing it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. And um, self-empathy is, is something that I've uh, just started realizing my Peloton instructor kind of turned me on to it. (laughs) <laughs> My telethon instructor, like I have one-on-one sessions with Christine.
0: Well, obviously they, but... <laughs> they, they felt very empathetic because you feel the connection, right? Yeah. So she's doing something right. She's doing
1: something right through that screen while I'm sweating away. Um, but she talks, Christine dercole talks a lot about compassion and compassion for self. Um, and and being and that to me, as I think about it, like, well, yeah, that's about having empathy with yourself, understanding where you're coming from and not, I mean, we have so. I talk about being judgmental. We are probably more judgmental about ourselves than we are about others. So, imagine if we can dismantle those tapes in our head—they're playing all the time—how we might see ourselves differently. Um, and that's that's really mm-hmm. critical. So, yes, hopefully the the book, you know, can ignite that conversation on many levels and in many different ways. And. As one, one client mentioned recently, she just finished reading the book and commented like, you know, it's such a fast page turner and um, she said, you know, it's got sex, drugs, guns, and a penis mirror, like every business book should have this but she also said that the next time she told me the next time somebody tells me the marketing research is boring i'm going to give them a copy of your book
0: <laughs> well you heard it here first exactly <laughs> i
1: just want to tell you
0: oh i don't rob i don't think i've ever ended a podcast on that good of a note
1: <laughs> <laughs> Until we do our third podcast. That's
0: right. That's right. Let me hear what the next book is. I'm going to love it. But um, we'll definitely put those links in the show notes. And it's going to be great to hear you really pontificate a little bit more, you know, through this Entrepreneurs Network and, and hear more about how you see it apply and everything else. But thank you for doing that good work. And also thank you for just giving back to our community. I know you do a lot. To, you know, to give your wisdom and expertise away for free whenever you can. So I appreciate that. But that means, guys, time to cough up and buy the book. So um, go check it out. Rob Volpe, it's V O L P E. And it's out on Amazon, of course. And uh because that's where it is. It's there. People, it's, Barnes it's there. And
1: Noble, wherever, go to your independent bookseller if you have got I loved you. were at one of
0: my you were at one of my favorite ones in San Francisco, not just too long ago. So yes. that's it's always great to see that. So yeah, run out um and get this at your local bookstore. But Rob, thank you so much for joining us here on Ponderings
1: from the Perch. Priscilla, thank you. It's always a pleasure.
0: From all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, come on, be empathetic. And of course.